Hereford's the name, first name Jim. His poetry should make you all grin. The limericks he finds just come into his mind. Hold down on the beach in the spring. I was sitting on the prom one day, only about a year ago, and a limerick came to me. And then more came and I started getting a bit organised about it. They're a bit addictive. I suppose they are, and I notice that when I tell other people about them, they also start composing them as well. So, in your case, for example, you sent me uh, three limericks in reply to uh, my first approach. What it does now for me is kind of state my anchoring in the local community. There's lots of attractive features about Portobello, which I think other people will appreciate. So. And they can be quite inspiring as well. I hope so. There's a bit of uh, gritty real life in there, which you can't avoid. A friend of ours, John Stewart, I don't know if you know him, John's remarked that limericks have a bad name for being um, trivial and bawdy. And these are not, I hope. They, they may be trivial, but they're not bawdy, um, apart from the one about the bra. <laughs> I found a pink bra in the sand and a blue beach towel close at hand. Both were briny. The bra was tiny and wouldn't hold anything grand. But one thing you've done is you've made sure that the book is illustrated with oh, yeah. the work of local artists. Yes. That really livens it up. I mean, a, a whole book with just limericks would be a, a bit tedious and boring, and just seeing the pictures by the local artists, since many of them are very talented, and relate to things that one sees around here, like pictures of the town hall, pictures of the Bass Rock. They liven it up quite a bit, I think. One that we're just about to hear from is Claire MacDonald. Yes. And you've based a couple of limericks around her particular works of art. It went the other way, actually. I found I'd composed limericks about puffins and uh, gannets, and then it turned out that she had paintings of a gannet and a puffin, or puffins. So yes, I, I had composed limericks about those birds, and it turns out that she'd done paintings of them. So I just said, I grabbed them, said, can I use them? And she was happy to cooperate. Over the skyline, the Isle of May, host gaudy beaks puffins in May. They nest underground, safe and sound, and go fishing for sand eels all day. The puffin probably was the first one that Jim asked me to put into the book. It's one of my most popular prints. Two puffins, side by side, with their beaks full of sand eels. That's quite a kind of classic pose for the puffins. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting because puffins have gone into decline a bit and the lack of sand eels, I think, is the cause and it's the changing of the temperature of the water and things like that but um, yeah so it's quite nice to see puffins with lots of food in their mouth. <laughs> but birds seem to be the theme in your work. Yes I did start off with a lot of bird designs just built up over the space of about a year or two before I had access to a printing press and I did an evening class at the Edinburgh College of Art and then I got the collection together and started selling them locally and making up cards and things but the the birds were just an interest that you know I would go and birdwatch on weekends and things like that and do trips around Scotland and then also latterly we've travelled further afield you know different countries and continents and and it's always been kind of birdwatching that we've we've done so I have a lot of reference photos and things so there's still a lot more to come. <laughs> Just out of curiosity how did you get involved with this book? Well, Jim approached me, I think it would be through the art walk. He'd seen my work and I think he liked the birds, particularly the puffin, and he'd asked if I could contribute and put a picture into the to the book. And yeah, 
It's a great kind of advertisement for your work and the work indeed of the other artists. Yes, yes. I noticed he's used a lot of artists that are involved in the art walk, which is good. good. There's really strong local artists, you know, good, strong quality of work. And, and I think it's a good reflection in the book. There's a really nice selection of different styles, but all local. And everyone's kind of influenced by Portobello in the local area, so they draw their inspiration from that. So it's, it's, it all ties in together very well with the book, I think. Jim, I can come back to you. One of the things that's quite interesting is not all of the limericks are actually about Portobello, because you've, if you like, spread your wings a little bit beyond that. They are somewhat autobiographical, that's for sure. So there's a um, very brief story of my life in there, in three or four pages, which I just felt like writing, and they scanned okay, and people didn't seem to mind them being there. And there's the odd bit of political comment, which one can't avoid these days. I get exasperated at the state of the world. But you've also, through another artist, Jan Coventry, mm. focused on what happens on May Day, which is approaching actually very rapidly. That's right, and I'm debating whether or not I've got the strength to climb Arthur's seat this May Day. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm getting a bit slower on my feet these days. It's a good thing to do. I've done it a couple of times, and actually got annoyed at how it's been commandeered by the uh, the church and there's uh, there's often a, a priest up there with a megaphone preaching which is out of the spirit of the thing i believe but anyway it's a, a local thing to do climb arthur's seat and watch the sunrise actually if you're lucky you you do see the sunrise what often happens is that uh, it's cloudy and you don't see the sunrise and you sort of know well it must have risen by now and then you go home on May Day, climb Arthur's seat, see the sunrise over the fleet, wash your face in the dew, take off your shoe and rub your crusty feet. When I read the limerick and then I seen that he put that limerick with that, that particular painting, when we were climbing in the High Atlas, which we did for a month on our own, and when I was really struggling, my husband Lewis would say, Jan, it's, it's Arthur's seat. It's, oh, we've only got Arthur's seat to go now. So, in fact, strangely, that painting has a connection with Arthur's seat. But tell me about your work. Do you actually specialise in landscapes, or is it much more wider than that? No, it is totally landscape. All my work is based on, on in drawings, paintings that I do actually in situ. And then I come back to the studio and develop them or work on top of them. So that's a painting that I did from sketches and drawings actually done in the High Atlas in, in Morocco. And then obviously the other paintings are one sitting on the prom here, looking out. But it does seem as though you allow your imagination to get stretched by visiting other places. Oh, yes. In fact, when, I, when I'm looking back at sketchbooks, and these, well, I was, we were in Morocco ten years ago for three months, I'm even now revisiting work that I did there. So it's sketches and drawings. And in order to create new work from your sketches and drawings, you have to take yourself back to the place. Well, I have to take myself back to that place to carry the feeling of being in the landscape and saying what I want to say about it. How has lockdown been for you? Because a lot of artists are saying that they have changed direction. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't do anything for quite a long time. I was completely stuck. So in December last year, Christmas time, I thought if I 
this is another lockdown I have actually got to start moving my work again so I am now working very hard and I've been moving into slightly more abstraction but the abstraction is has its roots completely in the landscape and the gestures and the marks that I make are the same interestingly enough the more abstract it becomes you can still see the same marks the same gestures the same sort of compositional ideas that were in the paintings sitting in the landscape doing them. Just out of curiosity did the fact that Jim approached you help to stimulate you to start working again? Yes in a slightly different way but I was certainly intrigued by it and pleased to be asked and that he'd seen something that said something to him so perhaps a little bit yeah. A final word from Jim Herford about your future plans because there is another book in the pipeline. This one, it's not another book, it's basically an expansion of the present one. The present one has a few flaws which I could remedy and the limericks keep coming so I could add a few and I'm hoping to recruit a few more artists so that the next one, if it happens, and it may not, will be uh, half as long again and I hope will be as amusing. But the great thing is this is not done for your own benefit but for the Trussell Trust. It is really done for my own benefit because I find it amusing. (laughs) It seems silly to produce all this without uh, putting it around a bit and I'm putting it around and people are paying for it, a modest sum, three quid a time and um, the money is going to the Trussell Trust, yeah. So just for the purpose of clarity, the proceeds are going to charity. The Trussell Trust needs all the proceeds, so please would you kindly give generously 